Today, I'm going to transport you back to the past as we talk about Disneyland attractions that no longer exist. Remember the Disneyland Skyway? What about Country Bear Jamboree? Have you heard of the Flying Saucers? Maybe? We'll talk all about those and more. Hi, I'm Melissa with Mix In Some Magic. I'm a Disney planning expert and I'm here to mix a little magic into your day. Each week I share Disney vacation planning tips, park strategies, and a little bit of Disney history sprinkled in. Of course, I like to include lots of Disney magic. Join me, let's mix in some magic. Hello and welcome! I'm so happy to have you here. I'm recording this on Valentine's Day, so I'm wearing the closest thing I have to a Valentine shirt. If you're not watching this in a video format, I'm wearing a white sweatshirt that has Mickey and Minnie in a car with little red hearts above their heads. I wanted to wear something festive today, but pink and red don't go well with my skin tone, so I don't really own much in those colors, so I was happy to find this. Anyway, I'm feeling festive. Happy Valentine's Day to those who celebrate. Um, in our family, we see Valentine's Day as a more of a family holiday, so we're going to be having a little family dinner tonight with a chocolate fountain, and we get the kids a small Valentine. It's fun, but it's very simple. We're really not that into it over here. We don't put up decorations or anything like that, which is nice because then I don't have to take them down. Before we get going, I want to thank our new Patreon members, Rebecca and Lara. Thank you so much for your support. This podcast has been entirely funded by myself for the last four-ish years, and unfortunately, that's just no longer sustainable for me, so I've been looking for ways to be able to keep the podcast afloat. At the beginning of 2024, just a couple weeks ago, I really toyed with the idea of discontinuing it completely, but the idea made me so sad because I love creating these episodes for you. I love sharing Disney tips and helpful information, but I also love creating the episodes about park history and deep dives into rides and attractions. I really hope they're valuable and entertaining for you. That's what I'm trying to do here, but they do take time and money to create. Because I hated the idea of quitting the podcast altogether, I decided to try and offer a Patreon membership to hopefully gain some listener support, and I'm also going to be partnering with more affiliates. I'm hoping by doing those things that we can keep Mix and Some Magic podcast going. So that's a long way of saying thank you to Rebecca and Lara for their support on Patreon. I have tried to include some awesome perks with Patreon memberships like early episode releases, ad-free listening, bonus content, and of course, the Disney book club that I love so much. I'll put a link in the show notes so you can check my Patreon out. Of course, if you can't support the show monetarily, I totally get that. Just listening, leaving a review, and sharing with your friends who might enjoy it is incredibly helpful too. Okay, enough of that. I am obviously the worst salesman. <laughs> Let's talk about today's episode. I'm pretty excited about it. Today, we are embarking on a journey through Disneyland's past as we pay tribute to some of its lost attractions. From iconic rides to beloved shows, these treasures hold a special place in the hearts of Disney fans everywhere. 
I'm guessing there'll be a few you remember and might have experienced for yourself, but there's probably a couple on this list that you've never heard of. Let's take a quick ad break, try and keep the lights on at the Mix and Some Magic studio. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to give a shout out to our amazing sponsor, Audible. I am now an Audible affiliate and I am so excited about it. I've been using Audible for years and I am really happy to have this chance to team up with a brand that I have loved and used for quite some time. If you love the magic of storytelling but find it hard to make time for reading, Audible is your perfect solution. With Audible, you can listen to a huge selection of audiobooks, podcasts, and more, all from the convenience of your favorite device. Whether you're into thrilling mysteries, self-help, or epic fantasy, Audible has something for everyone because they have thousands of titles available. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. But that's not all. Members also get full access to a growing selection of included audiobooks, Audible originals, and podcasts. You can download or stream included titles all you want. Most of our Disney Book Club selections are available on Audible, including this month's title. And here's the best part. I've teamed up with Audible to offer you an exclusive deal. By using my special link, you can get a free 30-day trial of Audible. That's right, 30 days of stories, knowledge, and entertainment absolutely free. If you love podcasts, and you must because you're here, I know you'll love Audible. Just visit www.audibletrial.com forward slash mix and some magic to start your free trial today. That's www.audibletrial.com forward slash mix in some magic. I'll also include a link for you in the show notes. It's a fantastic way to discover the joy of audiobooks and to support my podcast at the same time. Happy listening and thanks to Audible for making today's episode possible. Ads are a pain in the butt. I really don't like them, but unfortunately they are a necessary evil when you run a podcast. If you're listening to the ad and affiliate supported version of Mix and Some Magic, thank you. Your support helps keep Mix and Some Magic running. If you're listening to the ad free version on Patreon, thank you as well. Your monthly support is so appreciated and helps me with equipment costs, editing software, research materials for the show, and more. If you're interested in becoming a Patreon supporter, I'll put a link in the show notes. There are several membership options with the lowest being $5 a month. All Patreon supporters are invited to attend our monthly Disney book club as well. So come and join us. All right, that's enough of that. Let's get back to the episode. Mm-hmm. 
Disneyland is more than just a theme park. It's a timeless testament to imagination and creativity. In today's episode, we're diving deep into the history of Disneyland's lost attractions, exploring their stories and the memories they've left behind. Walt Disney himself said it best. Disneyland will never be completed as long as there is imagination left in the world. Disneyland is designed to grow and change, but sometimes change is hard. I'm not going to lie, saying goodbye to Splash Mountain was sad for me, but change is usually for the best, and while there's still a few attractions on this list that I wish were still around, for the most part, it's probably for the best that a lot of these are extinct. Our journey begins with the Skyway. Do you remember this? The Skyway holds a special place in the heart of many visitors, including myself. Opening in 1956, the Skyway offered guests a unique aerial perspective of the park, transporting them between Fantasyland and Tomorrowland in a series of colorful gondolas suspended high above the ground. For generations of Disneyland enthusiasts, the Skyway provided more than just transportation. It was an experience unto itself. As guests glided through the Skyway, they were treated to beautiful views of the park's iconic attractions, from whimsical spires of Sleeping Beauty Castle to the futuristic landscape of Tomorrowland below. Best of all, it went right through Matterhorn Mountain. The Skyway's journey between Fantasyland and Tomorrowland offered a relaxing break from the hustle and bustle of the park. Families relaxed in the gently swaying gondolas, soaking in the sights and sounds of Disneyland from a whole new vantage point. It was a cherished moment of peace amid the excitement of the park's attractions. I remember riding on this when I was little. I remember going through Matterhorn Mountain and being nervous every time because you could hear the Yeti roaring as you passed through. I actually have the cutest picture of my two-year-old self on this attraction. It's adorable. Unfortunately, like many beloved Disneyland attractions, the Skyway closed its doors in 1994. There's rumors that someone fell to their death from the Skyway and that's the reason it was closed. I thought that sounded fishy, though, because, at least from my memory, it would have been pretty hard to accidentally fall out of the Skyway gondolas. So I did some snooping, and here's what I found on Snopes. On Sunday morning, April 17, 1994, a 30-year-old man named Randall Charles fell approximately 20 feet from one of the Skyway cabins and landed in a tree near the Alice in Wonderland attraction. He was helped out of the tree by paramedics and taken to a nearby Western Medical Center, where he was treated for minor injuries and released. Charles later filed a $25,000 negligence lawsuit against Disney, claiming that he had suffered permanent neck and back injuries as a result of his fall. Despite the initial assertion of Mr. Charles' attorney that Randall wasn't doing anything improper, and he certainly wasn't trying to get out of the ride, Charles indeed jumped, not fell from his Skyway cabin. Charles' lawsuit was dismissed just before it was to go to trial on September 23, 1996. At that time, he admitted that he came out of his Skyway cabin and that his lawsuit against Disney was ill-advised. Up to that point, the Skyway had an unblemished safety record. The 1994 accident was the first in the ride's 38-year history. 
So the Skyway was not dismantled out of fear of similar incidents, but for a variety of economic factors, including the attraction's age, the carrying capacity, staffing requirements, maintenance costs, and the expense required to upgrade the Skyway to conform to newer safety and access laws. So really, it was just maintenance and safety concerns that led to the decision to retire the iconic aerial tramway. I am glad I got to experience it, though, and this is an attraction that I would not be sad if they brought back. Now let's talk about one of Disneyland's most imaginative and thought-provoking attractions of yesteryears, Adventure Through Inner Space. Imagine yourself in Tomorrowland, stepping into a world where you could shrink down to the size of an atom and embark on a journey through the wonders of molecular science. Sound interesting? No? Doesn't sound exciting to me either, but according to the internet, Adventure Through Inner Space wasn't just your average ride. It was a mind-bending exploration of the microscopic world. Guests boarded Atomobiles and were magically reduced in size, allowing them to venture into the intricate landscapes of snowflakes and other tiny wonders. Okay, now that sounds a little more fun. This attraction was more than just a thrill ride, it was an educational experience that sparked curiosity and wonder in guests of all ages. As you traveled deeper and deeper into the realm of atoms and molecules, you couldn't help but marvel at the intricacy and complexity of the universe on a minuscule scale. I never got to experience this attraction. Sadly, Adventure Through Inner Space closed its doors in 1985 to make way for the Space Age Adventures of Star Tours, which is housed in the same building. I do think it's safe to say that Star Tours is probably the better attraction. I don't know. Let's now hop aboard the People Mover as we continue our trip down memory lane. The People Mover wasn't just another ride at Disneyland. It was a leisurely journey above Tomorrowland that offered guests a unique and relaxing way to experience the park. Picture yourself gliding effortlessly along elevated tracks, soaking in panoramic views of Tomorrowland below. The gentle hum of the People Mover's vehicles and the cool breeze on your face made for a serene escape from the craziness of the park below. But the People Mover was more than just a scenic tour. It was a symbol of optimism and progress. Originally conceived as part of Walt Disney's vision for a futuristic city, the People Mover embodied the spirit of innovation and imagination that Disneyland was built on. Sadly, the People Mover closed its doors in 1995, leaving behind a void in the sky of Tomorrowland. I don't have any memories of riding this, although I'm sure I did. I have ridden it at Disney World, and it's a great attraction. This is an attraction that a lot of people would love to see back at Disneyland, and I think it would be a great addition to Tomorrowland to bring it back, because we all know that Tomorrowland could really use all the help it can get. Let's stay in Tomorrowland and continue our journey through Disneyland's past with Rocket Rods. This high-speed thrill ride promised guests an exhilarating adventure through Tomorrowland, but its story is one of excitement and disappointment. Picture yourself strapping into a rocket-shaped vehicle, anticipation building as you prepare for a speedy tour of Tomorrowland's futuristic landscape. As the ride launches, you're propelled around twists and turns, zipping past iconic attractions all around Tomorrowland with the wind in your hair. It sounds fun, right? 
it looked fun, but alas, Rocket Rod's journey was short-lived. Despite its promise of high-speed excitement, the ride faced numerous technical issues and frequent breakdowns, leaving guests disappointed and frustrated. In the year 2000, after just two years of operation, Rocket Rods closed its doors for good, leaving behind memories of what could have been. Now, I have absolutely zero memory of Rocket Rods, but I don't think I went to Disneyland between 98 and 2000, so I think I missed them completely. I did watch a YouTube video about them, and I think they looked really, really fun. It's too bad they couldn't get them working properly because, again... They would have helped out Tomorrowland quite a bit. I'll stop bagging on Tomorrowland, but only for a minute. I'm coming back for you, Tomorrowland. But first, grab your cowboy hats and get ready to kick up your boots because we're taking a trip down memory lane with the Country Bear Jamboree. Do you remember this or have you experienced it at Disney World? Because it's still running at Disney World. This beloved musical review brought the heart and soul of the American frontier to life with a cast of lovable animatronic bears. Imagine stepping into Grizzly Hall in Critter Country, where you're greeted by a rowdy bunch of bears ready to put on the show of a lifetime. From Big Al's soulful ballads to the comedic antics of Henry and Sammy, each bear brought their own unique charm to the stage. As the curtains rose and the music began to play, guests were transported to a simpler time when life on the frontier was filled with laughter, music, and good old country fun. The toe-tapping tunes and hilarious hijinks of the bears had audiences of all ages clapping, singing along, and tapping their feet. It was a little weird, though. Even as a kid, I remember being like, what? What's going on? What are we doing? The bears were a little creepy even in the 80s, and the lyrics to some of the songs were questionable. Let me show you what I mean. This song is called Blood on the Saddle. ladies and gentlemen, Blood on the Saddle by the Country Bears. Um, I guess that song is about a, some rodeo guy who dies. I don't, I don't know. It's not clear, but um, weird, right? There's some other weird things in that show too, but the Bear Country Jamboree bid farewell to Disneyland in 2001 but luckily, its spirit lives on over in Walt Disney World, although they are making some changes over there. I'm guessing the Blood in the Saddle song is going to get the cut. I don't know for sure, but it wouldn't surprise me. There is a little tribute to the Country Bear Jamboree on the Winnie the Pooh attraction, which is now in its place, which is kind of fun. I love it when Disney does little nods to former attractions. 
Okay, prepare to plunge, if you will, into the depths of Disneyland's past with Submarine Voyage. Who remembers this attraction? This iconic ride took guests on an underwater adventure unlike any other, offering a glimpse into the mysteries of the deep. It opened officially in 1959. Picture yourself boarding a submarine and descending into the depths of the ocean, surrounded by marine life and vibrant coral reefs. As you peered through the portholes, you were greeted with an array of colorful fish, playful dolphins, and majestic sea turtles, all brought to life through the magic of Disney animatronics. The submarine voyage wasn't just a ride. It was an immersive journey that sparked the imagination and inspired wonder in guests of all ages. From the eerie depths of the abyss to the bustling marine ecosystems teeming with life, every twist and turn offered a new and exciting discovery. Sound familiar? It's basically the Finding Nemo submarines that we know and love today. This attraction was rethemed as the Finding Nemo submarine in 2007. I have very vague memories of writing this as a kid. I remember being concerned that we were going under the ocean, but that's about it. That's all I remember. I do think the retheme was probably a good call on this one. I think it's probably much more fun as a whole with the Finding Nemo theme. Just for fun, let's tear Tomorrowland down a little more and talk about the Flying Saucers. This attraction, which debuted in 1961, offered guests a chance to pilot their very own flying saucer in a whimsical intergalactic adventure. Picture yourself climbing into one of these futuristic saucers, eagerly anticipating the sensation of soaring through the skies. It was like you were sitting on an air hockey puck and the arena was a big air hockey table. Air would start blowing up from the ground and lift your saucer off the ground just a little bit. And as the saucer lifted off the ground, you found yourself gliding effortlessly across a shimmering floor, steering your craft with nothing more than a slight shift in weight. At least that was the idea. That was what was supposed to happen. Flying saucers weren't just a ride. It was supposed to be a thrilling experience that would capture the imagination of guests, young and old. With each twist and turn, you felt the rush of wind in your hair, the exhilaration of defying gravity in your own personal spacecraft. That is, when they worked correctly. That's what they were hoping you would feel. But they almost never worked correctly. They mostly just left guests stuck and annoyed that they'd wasted their time in line for the attraction. Flying saucers disappeared from Tomorrowland after just a few short years, but incidentally, Disneyland tried to revive them with a different theme a few years ago in Cars Land. You might remember Luigi's Flying Tires, which was the same idea. You sat in a tire and air would come up out of the ground, but... It works just as well as the flying saucers did, which means terribly. It only lasted two short years before everyone was fed up with it and it was replaced. I do remember riding Luigi's flying tires and it was kind of a joke. We waited in a long line, sat down, the air started flowing, and we couldn't get our tire to move at all. No matter how much we leaned, didn't move at all along with just about everyone else's tire in the whole attraction. And then we got off and we were annoyed. So no wonder that they 
uh, took that out. But I'm I'm surprised that it didn't work once in Tomorrowland, and yet they thought they could make it work later on for Luigi's Flying Tires. I don't know. I never did get to experience the Flying Saucers. That was long gone before I came along. But let's chat about an attraction I wish I would have been able to experience. Step back in time with me to the untamed wilderness of Frontierland with Mine Train through Nature's Wilderness. This classic attraction, which opened in 1960, whisked guests away on a scenic tour through rugged landscapes, majestic mountains, and shimmering waterfalls. Imagine boarding one of the mine trains, eagerly anticipating the adventure that awaits around every bend. As you chugged along the tracks, you were greeted by a menagerie of animatronic wildlife, from playful bears and mischievous chipmunks to majestic deer and soaring eagles. Mine Train Through Nature's Wonderland wasn't a fast, wild ride. It was a slow, immersive journey that transported guests to a bygone era of exploration and discovery. With each passing scene, you felt like a pioneer forging a path through uncharted territory, surrounded by the beauty and the wonder of the natural world. Mine Train Through Nature's Wonderland closed its doors in 1977 to make way for construction of Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. While Big Thunder Mountain Railroad is undoubtedly a better attraction, it still would have been fun to take a ride through nature's wonderland. There are several nods to this old attraction on Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, which I think are pretty cool. I have a whole episode dedicated to the history and the storytelling of Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. You should really check it out. It's a good episode. I will put a link in the show notes. Let's talk about another fan favorite, America Sings. America Sings was a musical extravaganza that graced Disneyland's Tomorrowland from 1974 to 1988. This beloved attraction delighted audiences with its toe-tapping tunes, whimsical animatronic characters, and celebration of American folk music. Picture yourself stepping into the Grand Theater of America Sings, where you were greeted by a cast of charismatic animatronic animals ready to serenade you with songs that spanned the breadth of American musical history. From toe-tapping bluegrass tunes to soulful gospel ballads, each performance was a joyous celebration of the rich tapestry of American music. America Sings wasn't just a show, it was a journey through time and culture, offering guests a chance to experience the diversity and vitality of American musical heritage. Sadly, America Sings bid farewell to Disneyland in 1988, making way for the futuristic innovations of the Innovations attraction, which is also no longer there. But we don't have time to talk about that today, maybe on another episode. Lots of the animatronics from America Sings ended up on Splash Mountain. Now, hopefully, they'll be repurposed again and used in the new attraction, Tiana's Bayou Adventure. That's what I'm hoping. The last attraction I want to talk about is the Disney Gallery, which I'm sure many of you remember fondly. The Disney Gallery was a hidden gem nestled above Pirates of the Caribbean in Disneyland's New Orleans Square. From 1987 to 2007, this unique space offered guests a behind-the-scenes glimpse into the creative process behind Disney's iconic theme park attractions. 
Imagine ascending the staircase to the Disneyland Gallery Anticipation Building as you enter a realm of artistry and innovation. Inside, you are greeted by a treasure trove of concept art, models, and exhibits showcasing the magic of Disney Imagineering. From early sketches and blueprints to intricate scale models of beloved attractions, each display offered a fascinating glimpse into the meticulous craftsmanship and attention to detail that brought Disney's dreams to life. The Disney Gallery wasn't just a museum, it was a celebration of creativity and imagination, inviting guests to explore the rich history and evolution of Disney theme parks. Whether you were a seasoned Disney aficionado or a first-time visitor, there was something magical about stepping into this world of wonder and possibility. The Disney Gallery closed its doors in 2007 to make room for the Disneyland Dream Suite, which is also pretty spectacular. I got to tour it a few months ago, and I was amazed. It's gorgeous. It's amazing. It's very, very cool. Maybe we'll have to do an episode about that in the future, because I'm not sure if I've talked about it much on the podcast. I can't remember. I do know a lot of people miss the Disney Gallery above the Pirates of the Caribbean attraction, but it does still exist more or less inside the lobby for great moments with Mr. Lincoln, and it's definitely worth checking out. Now, I don't want to be a downer about Tomorrowland, but it does seem to me like the majority of the attractions that we talked about today were from Tomorrowland. Like, Tomorrowland has been through it. They've really tried a lot of different things in Tomorrowland, and they just haven't found what they're looking for, I guess. A lot of the attractions from Tomorrowland are now extinct, and some of them were pretty good attractions. The Skyway, that technically wasn't a Tomorrowland attraction, but it started in Tomorrowland. I mean, it went from Tomorrowland to Fantasyland. So so I guess kind of it's a Tomorrowland attraction, um, people mover. That one was awesome. The rocket rods actually looked really cool. In the YouTube video I watched, they looked fun. I don't know if they could bring that back, but I would love for them to bring back the Skyway and the people mover. Just those two things would really breathe a lot of life into Tomorrowland and make it a lot more fun because man, it needs some help. I feel like they tried a lot with Tomorrowland back in the 80s and 90s and maybe even the early 2000s. And then they were like, "Mm, I don't know. Let's just give it a break and we'll circle back around at some point and see if we can fix it. Uh, They have been making promises for years and years that Tomorrowland is going to get a big, huge refurbishment and some maybe much needed love and attention. I don't know. They've been saying it for a while. I'll believe it when I see it. Every time there's big announcements at D23, people are sure they're going to announce a big Tomorrowland refurb, and it just doesn't happen. So I guess time will tell. We, We can do a whole episode in the future all about Tomorrowland and the history and what it was really meant to be versus what it ended up being, things like that. Um, but we don't have time for that today. I'll put that on the list for a future episode. But thank you so much for joining me on this journey through Disneyland's Lost Attractions. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Maybe we'll do a part two in the future because there are a lot of attractions that I didn't include in this episode. Or maybe I'll do one for California Adventure Park next because there are a lot of attractions over there that no longer exist either. So they've got some good ones over there too. 
Thank you so much for being here. I love creating this podcast and researching all of this cool history and information. And if it weren't for you listening, I wouldn't be able to do that. So thank you. Thank you. I'll be back next week with something new. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk soon.